Welcome to Conversations with Father Greg. In this episode, we have a homily for Sunday, January 21st, 2024. Today we encounter one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Kids often meet him on Sunday school felt boards, and although he can be read as a caricature, he can also profoundly challenge us to re-examine how we interact with others. Let's turn our attention now to a reading from Jonah chapter 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. The Word of the Lord May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, hi there, everyone. Have you ever had an old memory from your distant past bubble up to the front of your mind? It happened to me just the other day when I was reminded of a fellow that I knew when I was in grade school. To say that he and I never really got along that well would be an understatement in the extreme. To make matters worse, I had to pass his house on my way to what we considered the good park, which had the best playground. On more than one occasion, he would heckle from his backyard. This made it hard to avoid him even when we were not actually in school. To be both fair and perfectly honest, and before I paint him as an entirely evil cad, I must admit that there were times when I was not without blame. The analogy of putting out a fire with gasoline comes to mind. So he and I had this running feud that lasted roughly six years and was only ended when I transferred out of that school. What seemed very pressing back then has since been lost in the fog of the decades. However, it did come to mind this week as I considered our reading from the book of Jonah. Often memorialized in Sunday school felt boards, many may recall the story about Jonah who got eaten by a whale. The book of Jonah opens by describing God telling Jonah that he must go immediately to a city called Nineveh, in the hope that he might convince its citizens to denounce their evil ways and seek the things of God instead. Naturally, Jonah responded to God's direction by boarding a ship and sailing in the exact opposite direction. When a violent storm ensued, the sailors blamed Jonah for their misfortune and threw him overboard. This is where the whale came into the picture and essentially carried Jonah to shore and spat him out on the beach. And this is where we entered the story today. Finding himself spewed forth on dry land, Jonah heard from God again. 
Hopefully, having gotten Jonah's attention, God repeats the message to Jonah a second time, telling Jonah to go to Nineveh. It's as if God were telling Jonah, Go to Nineveh. Now. And I mean it. We're told that people responded positively, that they turned from their ways, and they devoted themselves to God. By all accounts, the people of Nineveh responded genuinely and with authenticity, recognizing that they had been in the wrong, and they made every effort to amend their ways. Not only that, we're told that Jonah was ticked. He was angry that the Ninevites turned toward God, and he was angry that God accepted them. In fact, he was so angry that he prayed that God would kill him. Clearly, he did not want to live in a world in which God would or could accept people like these. This all begs us to ask a question. What exactly is Jonah's deal anyway? Obviously, he was able to clearly and effectively communicate the message he had been given, and people responded favorably to what he had to say. By any conceivable measure, most people would consider this to have been a success. I mean, if people were genuinely remorseful and wanted to change that which was wrong, what was Jonah's problem? Well, the answer to that question lies in the cultural cues. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire, the same empire that had conquered and then dominated Israel for about a decade. Jonah initially refused to go because he knew that God was willing to forgive if the people asked for it. The issue was that while God was willing to forgive, Jonah was absolutely not prepared to forgive them. He still harbored a burning hot grudge. In fact, when his preaching tour was a success, Jonah scolded God, ranting that the whole reason he resisted in the first place was because he knew that God would respond to sincere remorse with forgiveness. God was offering forgiveness while Jonah wanted vindication and retribution. God sought restoration while Jonah sought fire and brimstone. The two were clearly not on the same page at all. In fact, one might argue that they weren't even reading from the same book. In some ways, it's easy to read the pouting, indignant, foot-stomping Jonah as a caricature of a man. A person could try to dismiss Jonah as though he were the character Grumpy from Disney's Snow White. I fear, however, that that reading is a little too simplistic. If we spend a bit more time with this character, we might find something both challenging and yet ultimately worthwhile in the story. Most of us are probably familiar with that knot in the pit of our stomach when we realize that we've said or done something that has caused injury to another person. Speaking personally, there have been times that as soon as I've said or done something, I can hear it fall absolutely flat, sometimes with a resounding thud. Of course, there are other times that a person approaches me to let me know of an unintended offense or something that I had been completely unaware of. Once again, there's that familiar sensation of a knot in the pit of my stomach as I feel my face turn flush. 
In either case, I muster up my courage and do my best to remedy the situation, even through faltering words. These are experiences that are familiar to most of us. However, that was not Jonah's experience. Our text for today describes Jonah as being on the other side of the equation. He is the injured party, or at least part of those who feel as though they have been injured. Also, and to be fair, Jonah's injury was much bigger than an off-handed comment or an unintended slight. The Assyrian captivity of Israel would have been a national affront, but that was not the only barb in this story. The outrage was compounded when God offered the Ninevites forgiveness. For Jonah, and likely for others, this was like rubbing salt into an already open wound. So what application does this have for you and I today? The first thing that this text invites us to consider is our response to God's forgiveness. There are times when it can be difficult to ask for forgiveness for ourselves. Recognizing our own need for forgiveness and mercy can be difficult. It can be unpleasant, and it can be uncomfortable, because it means having to admit our own shortcomings. There are times that we each have to swallow our pride, admit that we've done something wrong, and try to repair a wounded relationship. This is true of our relationship with God, but it's also true of our relationship with other people. The story of Jonah also invites us to consider how we respond when God offers forgiveness to other people, particularly when we are not yet ready to extend forgiveness to them. In Matthew's Gospel, we read about one of Jesus' parables in which he tells the story of a man who was forgiven a great debt and yet was unable to forgive someone else a comparably insignificant sum. We hear echoes of that inability to forgive in the story of Jonah. Then, there was the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples in which we are invited to petition God to forgive us our sins just as we forgive the sins of others. In essence, we are asking God to be just as generous and merciful with us as we are with other people. Imagine for just a moment what it would look like if we only received the same amount of compassion, mercy, and forgiveness that we have, in turn, expressed to others. When I consider these things, I shudder with relief that we each have been given an example much richer, much more compassionate, and much more merciful than we are ourselves. This is how Paul was able to write to the Christians in Corinth, telling them that God's Spirit works in all of us who are followers of Christ, and that we are being transformed into the same image of God's glory from one degree of glory to another. The good news is that we don't have to do it all by ourselves or on our own strength. God gives us the tools and empowers us to become more loving, compassionate, and kind. But we do have the responsibility to put those tools to use and to make progress. 
Let's pray. Almighty God, you spoke all that exists into being. You are holy and wonderful and beyond our ability to comprehend. Have mercy on us, our God, and transform us from the inside out so that we might love what you love and hate what you hate, that our lives might overflow with mercy like you overflow with mercy. All this we pray through him who loves and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.